Hello, Health Investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. When I interviewed Peg Sadie about postpartum tips for episode number 156, Peg and I became fast friends. Off air, we chatted about our mutual obsession with decluttering and organizing, which is why I invited Peg to come back on the Health Investment Podcast and chat with me in this episode. Peg and I share how we organize our own closets, how to handle the excessive toy clutter that comes with having kids, three D's of decluttering, and more. But before we get to the episode, I want to share one of my favorite resources with you, thrivemarket.com. I don't know about you, but I used to think eating healthy meant I had to spend a lot of time and money at the grocery store until I discovered Thrive Market. Thrive is an online grocery shopping platform that's essentially a mix of Costco, Whole Foods, and Amazon. Since Thrive delivers groceries directly to your door, they're able to cut out all middle people and heavily discount their inventory. When I buy groceries on Thrive versus going to my local supermarket, I save at least $20 per order and I'm able to fill up my cart from the comfort of my couch. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash Thrive Market, or just click through the link in the show notes. All right, let's talk about decluttering and organizing. I hope you enjoy this conversation I had with Peg. I'm Brooke Simonson, certified nutrition coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Peg. Thank you so much for joining me again on the Health Investment Podcast. Hey, Brooke. Oh my gosh. I can't even tell you. I've been counting down the days. I'm so excited to be back and for this topic today. Well, we connected the first time. You know, listeners never really see the conversations that happen off air pre-recording, but (laughs) We hit it off and we're fast friends and then we recorded a great episode and then we were talking about all these other things we're passionate about, one of them being decluttering and organizing. And so I feel as if you are a friend coming on with with me today, even though we've never met in person and we live literally across the country. I can't wait. I know it's crazy. Like, like you just said, literally, I, when we got off the call last time and we were talking about this topic. Well, I got off the call and I was like, oh my God, did we just become best friends? Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> like stepbrothers. I was like, yeah. this is the moment. There's <laughs> totally so many responded. activities. We can do so many activities. <laughs> so many activities. <laughs> well, very excited. So for people who don't know you, we can send them to your previous episode because that was phenomenal where you were really sharing 
your expertise, not that this isn't your expertise, but the what you work on day in, day out. So um, you're a trained psychotherapist and resilience coach, a wife of 19 years, a boy mom of two, and you founded Resilient Mom Academy to really realize your vision and bridge the gap between therapy and thriving for struggling moms. And I will link the episode where you shared all of these tips about the postpartum period, how to prepare for it, how to incorporate self-care practices into your life without adding more to your to-do list, what your own experience was with postpartum anxiety and depression and tips for new moms struggling with that. Um, everybody can find that entire episode. Again, I'll link that in the show notes. Is there anything else you want to say in terms of that area of your expertise? No, I think you covered it beautifully. Thank you. Yeah. And I think you had also shared links to your website, to your Instagram, to your Resilient Mom Starter Kit. And so I will relink all of those things. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Yes, of course. Um, But then one of the conversations we were having before is I think if I weren't doing what I do now with nutrition and weight loss coaching, and you were saying like, if you didn't do this as your main focus, then another area of interest for both of us is decluttering and organizing. And so even though it's not something we do formally, I think we do it informally through our work. And so can you just share what made you interested in just leading a more decluttered, organized lifestyle to begin with? Sure. I tell you, it really started for me in college when I started sharing space with other people. And I realized pretty quickly, I enjoyed, like, I would pick the room in the house, which like for me, I'm an empath and an introvert and I'm an extrovert and introvert, but I enjoy um, energy and light. So I would pick the, I think I remember my senior year in college, I had the smallest bedroom. It was barely big enough to fit my bed end to end, like, but it was these gorgeous windows all around. And I really enjoyed um, really curating my things. I liked having fewer things, but nicer things, better things, better quality. And I also had a roommate that was really good at this. And I kind of like took cues from her and I was like, she would like, we'd all wait tables. And I remember her like going and buying like the expensive nail polish, but she'd only have one, you know, or like she'd buy that gorgeous candle from Pottery Barn that was like, I don't know, back then it was like so long ago. <laughs> I don't know how much it was back then, but you know, we waited tables. This is like where she would save up money and she would buy one all clad pot at a time, you know, because she wanted a beautiful chef kitchen. And, you know, she'd grown up in a household where her mom was a chef. So I took these cues from hers. And also I grew up in a home that was, you know, there was no clutter, you know, so I felt that, but I was kind of finding myself. So I realized I function best with fewer things. Being a highly sensitive person, aesthetically, I like things to be neat and pretty and the energy and light has to be just so. And um, I realized also the direct correlation when I was stressed or when I went through my depression, um, I 
would accumulate things. And it's kind of like a double-edged sword because, you know, you're not in a mental headspace to declutter and then you start accumulating these things and these things like subconsciously affect you. So it's like has a cycle on your psyche and then pulling myself out of it. Decluttering was part of that journey for me coming out of my postpartum depression. It was like very symbolic of me moving forward with my life and getting rid of this stagnant energy, all these things that were no longer serving me in my life. So, and I was, when I graduated college, I remember this was before my depression, my postpartum um, depression, but I remember I was obsessed with this idea of this energy and minimalism. And I started studying Feng Shui. Hmm. And this was like, oh my God. Oh my God. More than 25 years ago. I'm dating myself now. (laughs) (laughs) It's scary. It's scary. No girl. It's like, I just saw something the other day that, uh, younger kids are now calling the nineties, the late 1900s. Yes. I saw this and I about like died. I was like, (laughs) what is oh, happening? Yeah. It cracked me up. But it's, and meanwhile, the nineties were like the best they could. I know. And they're all trying to replicate it now. They're right? all trying it's to like re- cool now. Yeah, the style of the late 1900s, but yeah, that freaked me out. So yes, I feel that it dates you when you go back 25 know, years. Girl. So yeah. So I started, um, buying up feng shui books and applying this to my life. And I felt like it just really spoke to me, really resonated. This was like before, like minimalism wasn't a thing. It wasn't a word. Like there was no Marie Kondo. There was no, you know, groups. There was no courses, none of that. So I've been practicing minimalism, you know, you know, for almost three decades. I mean, it's crazy before it was a thing. So it's kind of always stuck with me. And that's why I've incorporated it in my um, practice now with, with, um, overwhelmed moms or women that are struggling with stress and burnout, because I think, cause it was for me and my journeys, um, such a pivot, it plays such a pivotal role in their happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you were talking, I was trying to think where it started for me and I mean, college, I, maybe I, So I, my family or my parents, I'm an only child, but my parents would joke that my dorm room, I would call them and I would say, you know, my dorm looks so nice. My side of the room looks really great. And my roommate, I love her to death. She's still my best friend, her side, not so tidy. Um, And you could kind of see a dividing line of where my, my side ended and hers began based on how things were organized, but maybe I would send my parents pictures or something. And my dad would just laugh because I was the most disorganized, messy person of ever in growing up. And my mom always just kind of said, your room is your room, do with it, whatever you want, but don't leave mess all over the house. And so she had a very organized house and my room, I remember in high school, clearing a path to walk through, like pushing my hands through stuff. So friends could come in because it was such a disaster. And so when I got to college, I think being in that small space, I realized, oh, I can't just escape to another room in the house when I want clarity and organization. And so I created it on my side of the room and it all started making sense of why 
my mom kind of kept our house that way. But I was definitely still, I mean, I collected a lot of things. That same roommate and I joke that we spent our entire savings that we had created in high school babysitting at Gap our first year. We would just like go to the mall and shop and buy tons of tank tops and stuff. I mean, it was ridiculous. We just (laughs) accumulated all this crap that we barely wore and it was dumb. Um, But I think for me, what, where my decluttering tendencies and minimalistic tendencies set in was when I moved to New York City after college because mm-hmm. I lived in shoe boxes and mm-hmm. there wasn't there weren't even you didn't have spaces. A yeah, there wasn't space <laughs> for shoe boxes. There was I mean kitchen counters when I when I say my kitchen counter was two feet wide, that's not a joke. I mean we had no space at all. And so it was really forced, but I look back now and I'm so grateful for the 12 years living there because I think it kind of broke me in a way in terms of thinking that I have to accumulate all this stuff. And I lived for 12 or no, I lived for nine years without a microwave. I lived for nine years without a washer dryer in my apartment. I lived for nine years without a dishwasher. So my apartment the last three years in New York was nicer, uh, or maybe the last year and a half actually was nicer. Um, but I didn't have any of these things that people get used to. And so I would use, even in that last apartment where my husband and I moved in together, we had a dishwasher, but we didn't have enough pantry space. And it was just the two of us. And we were used to not having a dishwasher. So we just used the dishwasher to store food. We you were Carrie even... Bradshaw, like <laughs> yes. your sweaters in the oven. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so now that we have more space, it's actually kind of a fear of mine to mm. people say the more space you get, the more stuff you get. Mm-hmm. And that's always in my mind of just, even though we have more space, I don't want to fill it up with stuff because that can go get out of control really fast. And so mm-hmm. I'm still, I'm again, people kind of make fun of me now. You threw out the word minimalistic. So did I, that wasn't a thing years ago and it's become this term now. And it kind of bugs me in the same way the term self-care yes, bugs girl. me Ugh. of people just throw it out of, you know, they take a bubble bath or get a massage or mm-hmm. people will joke with me of, oh, you're a minimalist. And it's not even that I don't buy stuff. I mean, I just ordered a couple new dresses and things, right? Like I still order things, but like you're saying, it's more that I want really high quality pieces I love And then when I order something new, I'm very conscious of there are other pieces that are worn out and I'm ready to not use those anymore and have these new pieces for a few years. And so like, what is your process of, would you call yourself a true minimalist, first of all, the way the word is thrown around, or would you call yourself, I don't even know what the term would be, just kind of a collector of nicer, high quality things and being more intentional? How do you describe your method? Yeah, that's a good question. I definitely refer to myself as a minimalist and a conscious consumer, Mm -hmm. I guess. 
Um, I do. I think our, you're talking to clothing. I think let's just talk about the closets for a second, because yeah. this is one, <laughs> this is one area I really work with my moms on because especially when you have a child, your body changes and you can't, you know, temporarily, obviously, but sometimes, I mean, are we ever really going to get back in that size zero pant or, mm-hmm. you know, what have you. And so we tend to like hang on to stuff. So, um, making sure that, well, like you were saying, you wanted to have fewer things, better things, better quality. And just like you were explaining, like I always have like a running list of items that I want. I am all about like having a capsule wardrobe. I only have like, um, a handful of colors that I have in my wardrobe. I may change them out seasonally. Like I might add a a color to in the spring, like I'll rotate my wardrobe, but I only have timeless pieces, um, classic pieces outside of like my, you know, super casual stuff or like my yoga wear, workout wear. Um, and I always have a running list. Like I know I want like a white pair of leather sneakers. I know I want a high-waisted, you know, light wash jean. Like I know the pieces that I want for that season and they're always in the back of my mind. So when I go out shopping, I don't just buy stuff to buy it or because it looks good on the mannequin. Like I know my wardrobe is going to be curated and I'm, I want a certain look. I want these things that are going to interchange. I don't buy patterns Hmm. because you can't mix and match them except for stripes maybe the occasional polka dot, but they have to be kind of neutral or, you know, going along with the rest of my theme. And I know people might roll their eyes and be like, oh, that sounds so boring and this and that. But I'll tell you what, how many women that I speak to that they're like, I have nothing to wear. Like you'll go to your closet and, but your closet is like filled with all these clothes, but you have nothing to wear. Like, because you're not buying things that you feel truly good in. You might buy it because like it's a hot shirt or it looks good on the mannequin, but it's not super flattering on your shape or maybe the fabric isn't just right or um, you don't want to iron it. Like I don't like to iron anything, so I don't buy anything I have to iron. (laughs) I'll dry clean it if I need to or I'll ask my husband to iron it for me. (laughs) Bless his heart. Like he'll do it. But I haven't haven't done that one yet. That's a great idea. (laughs) Girl, yeah, because you know they're used to ironing their shirts like just oh, so. So yeah. I don't iron his shirts. He can take that to the dry cleaner. So, but yeah, and I, the money that you would spend, like I don't like fast fashion. Um, I'm not into like trends. So the money that, um, I just love that you know like that simple, chic, subtle style look, and that's what I want to emulate, and that's what I strive for. But you know that affects you know I might pay double, maybe even triple for one piece, but it's going to be good quality. And I will literally have it for years. Like I'll never forget. We took a trip to New York and I have a picture in it. I have this gorgeous double-breasted beige coat. Even in my twenties, I was buying like this and it looks timeless, you know, in the photograph that I'm standing in New York with my husband and he's got his black, you know, wool coat, got a turtleneck, you know, it's just very timeless, elegant. I still have it in my closet. (laughs) This is coat jacket is like almost 30 years old. But even back then when I didn't really have that much money, I would buy 
quality pieces. Like I would buy one thing instead of 10, uh-huh. you know, and I would have it for years. Yeah. And I, I still, that's something I for sure need to work on <laughs> because I feel like I still am in my mind working on the capsule wardrobe thing and maybe getting a little bit better at it. But I, when you think about it, as you're describing this, and then you're describing the person who says they have nothing to wear, the whole Marie Kondo thing, first of all, was really helpful for me. If people aren't familiar of where you, if you're cleaning through your closet, you take it all out and you hold a piece and you think, does this bring me joy? And it sounds stupid and trite, but at the same time, it makes so much sense because those pants that don't fit don't bring you joy. And so mm-hmm. that's something to release. There's no need to keep it there. It's just causing all of this confusion and clutter in your closet. And so really only holding on to pieces that you like and love, and then probably only buying pieces in the first place <laughs> that you like and love. But the other piece of it is we all tend to wear the same things over and over, right? Like, if totally. you, you, you wash stuff and then you mm-hmm. look in your closet, if it's all dirty and then it's like, Oh, I have nothing to wear. Cause your favorite pieces are in the wash <laughs> and then you do laundry and then they're back. And it's, I mean, when I pack for vacations, it's the same stuff I take every single time, the yeah. same white sneakers, Birkenstocks, whatever, black boots. It's just mm-hmm. the stuff you pack for vacations almost can be helpful to tell you of these are the pieces I wear and this is what I gravitate to. And that's almost like a mini capsule wardrobe. And then maybe consider all the other stuff of, do I need all of this other stuff that I never wear, (laughs) right? That just stays there. Hey there, health investor. I hope you're enjoying the episode. Just popping in here for a quick minute to share an exciting opportunity with you. Outside of hosting this podcast, I work as a nutrition coach specializing in sustainable weight loss. If you've been struggling to lose weight and actually keep it off, I'd love to connect with you in my group or one-on-one coaching program. Unlike restrictive, hard-to-follow diets that only provide short-term results, I help you adopt science-backed habits and an everything-in-moderation mindset so that you can lose weight permanently feel completely in control of your cravings, have steady energy throughout the day, and stick with healthy habits long-term. To learn more about my coaching programs and apply to work with me, visit thehealthinvestment.com or follow me on Instagram at thehealthinvestment. Now, back to the episode. That's such a good point. I love that analogy about packing for vacation because I joke like I am a minimalist packer, but it takes me probably 10 times longer than the average person to pack their suitcase because I am in my mind mixing and matching everything Mm -hmm. and only taking the minimal amount of things. Like I might only take one sandal to wear the whole trip. I might take, I mean, I imagine myself, I'm having a flash in my mind of like the real housewives and like yeah. how many suitcases they take <laughs> when they go on vacation. I'm like the polar opposite of that, you know, like, and pieces that like are effortless and don't wrinkle and match with each other. And I probably take less than my husband. I mean, I probably have the same amount, maybe a little bit more than my husband, but you know, a trick I do. Well, first of all, I only keep like about 40 hangers in my closet. 
at all times. So if more stuff's coming in, I don't have enough hangers. You don't just go out and buy new hangers. You got to get rid of something. That's mm-hmm. a little, you know, mindset trick there. And then have you ever done the hanger trick to see what you wear? Mm-hmm. Like, okay. But explain that. Explain <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, sure. For our listeners who have, haven't heard of it. If you want to test this pattern you have of wearing certain clothes, they say we wear 20% of our clothes, like, 80% of the time or something crazy. If any, every time you wear something and wash it, when you go to put it back in your closet, either hang it at one end or turn the hanger around so you can see that you've recently worn it. And you'll go through the week, go through the month, and you'll see you're just rotating the same pieces of clothing. It's a really great way to give yourself a visual and realize, oh my gosh, I'm not wearing that. And I mean, other things to consider are like, I got rid of all my stiletto heels, you know, when I was going to the club, like, why do I need these? Mm -hmm. I don't need four inch heels anymore. I'm never going to wear them. They're beautiful, expensive, but it's not going to happen. I need the block heel. I need an ankle strap, you know, certain things that I just knew that are great, but they need need to be rehomed. They need to go somewhere where they'll be loved and worn. (laughs) Yeah, but we, we hold on to this stuff in our closet. And you know, l- this past New Year, I um, was a contributor to an article in InStyle Magazine, and the title was um, 10 Unexpected New Year's Resolutions That Will Actually Make Your Life Better." And my contribution to that was all about clothing and how hanging on to these pieces of clothing are constant reminders of our unmet goals, Hmm. you know, or they're holding on to some kind of negative energy that is taking away from enjoying our wardrobe, Mm -hmm. right? If we have planned on losing weight, but then we're staring at all these clothes that don't fit us, that's not fun to go in our closet and look at all these pretty things. Like I got, I had so many gorgeous corporate pieces of corporate clothing, right? Suits and all these things from when I was like in a professional role and I'm never going to use those again. Right. <laughs> I need to go. doesn't matter how much we have this idea in our head that we need to hold on to things because we paid a lot of money for it mm-hmm. or they're still in good condition, but just release it. There is no need to hold on to it. Give it a better home. I don't know if you feel that way as well. Like I do, it's yeah. a mindset shift. I do. And I think a couple of things on that. First of all, I know there can be the tendency to want to keep things of what if I need this later? And that can happen with anything, right? Aside from clothes of what if I need this? And I read something that changed my thinking about this of maybe in the 1800s, we used to kind of stockpile stuff because we didn't know when we were going to get to a store next. But now we have two day shipping. (laughs) If you need something, and I'm not saying I don't want to come across as if I'm just wasting stuff, right? Of just get rid of everything and then buy it again. The trick is really just not to buy the stuff in the first place, which, you know, we could talk about and we kind of have been talking about. But if there's something that you are holding on to because you might need it, 10 years down the road, I mean, it will still be available and you could get it within two days. And so there's really, let's say in five years, you do lose some weight and then you need to buy some new clothes. It's probably more helpful throughout the process if you're not staring 
at the clothes that don't fit for your psyche, like that's, that's not going to be helpful in your weight loss journey. And it's going to allow you to lose the weight slowly and not do maybe some crash diet or something to get it off quickly. And so the word release, I think is really great. And, you know, we say give away or get rid of, but release just has this different connotation to me, at least of just, I do not need this thing. And then on the flip side, we have stores now like the container store, which I love the container store. It's great. It's so fun to wander the aisles. But the idea there is you need all of these gadgets and things. You need more things because you have so many things because you need to organize. Yeah. And so it gives the wrong message, I think. Or maybe just the right message, because I think they're doing great, because I think a lot of people do have a lot of things, right? But the idea then is not necessarily to constantly be organizing, but more to be adopting this mindset shift of releasing and then not bringing new things in to begin with so that you're not constantly organizing. And so I think about this, for example, at night, we have a two bedroom, two bathroom apartment. We have a common space. We live in California now, not New York city. So we have more space, right? We still only have about a thousand square feet, but when we go to bed, it's so we tidy the common space in three minutes. It takes three minutes and it's usually already pretty cleaned, but it's the counters are very easy to wipe because there's not appliances and a bunch of stuff out the dishes are in the dishwasher. We don't need, we have a projector instead of a television on the wall. And so we set that up at night to watch TV. And then we put that away real quick. I mean, it just, we kind of both have our little things we do now. And it's like, boom, 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 boom. And everything's put away. And we wake up in the morning and it's just this beautiful space without a lot of clutter. And it just makes me so happy to wake up to a space that's tidy, but it's harder to keep it tidy when you have a lot of stuff. And so I think people are fighting this losing battle constantly because it's like I'm cleaning and organizing constantly. But if you release a lot of the stuff, then you end up cleaning and organizing less. 100%. It's I cannot agree with you more about just getting, not bringing it into your home in the first place. Yeah. Um, And I use that word release all the time too, because it is, it is, um, it's a, a gift to yourself. Right. And I always, a mindset shift is really releasing the things that no longer serve you in your current journey, right? And unless you release those things, like you were talking to, oh, I might need that one day 10 years from now, exactly like you were saying, who cares? What what happens when we decide we're going to release the things that no longer serve us, then and only then can we really make room for the things that more newer, more important things that are waiting to come into our lives. Like, And for those things that we've given away, if we ever do need that again, the universe 
will provide us what we need, aka Amazon. Yeah. Like you were saying. It basically is the universe at this point. Right? It basically is. They're literally world domination. But um, yes, these old things are stagnant energy. They're not serving you. They're emotional drains. Like every time you see them, and not only when you see them, Things that are tucked in drawers, things that are stored in the attic, in your garage, in those bins that you've got from the container store with all the things that don't fit you anymore that you're saving. There is a direct correlation between clutter, the amount of clutter you have, and depression and anxiety. Mm. And that kind of blows people's minds. Yeah. People with higher amounts of clutter, which is simply just lots of things have higher rates of depression and anxiety because subconsciously it is harming your emotional health because it represents things in your life that you're not addressing Hmm. because most of the time we don't need all that stuff. It's representing a period in our life that it is no longer, you know, bringing us joy or, you know, those things aren't being loved and used and, Um, It is, it's this negative stagnant energy and releasing that can really have a cathartic effect on our health. And if you've never done it, I challenge you to do that because you will see the effects once you start to do it. Mm -hmm. It literally can be life-changing. We have to talk about this because I don't have kids yet and I actually have when I think about having kids, one of the most anxiety inducing parts of it for me is all of the stuff that yes. seems to come with them. Oh my God. And more so, you know, people get tripped up about feeling, being pregnant, giving birth, that stuff. I'm sure. I mean, I'm not di- diminishing that at all. I'm sure that's going to be a challenge, but that in my mind is not the scariest part <laughs> to me. The scariest part is the things. And so I can't really speak to clutter that comes with babies and children. You can help me. Like, what do you do? Because I am terrified. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So here's what I say about having kids. Well, and I've got different ends of the spectrum. I've got a high schooler and I've got a second grader. So I've got a sophomore in high school and a second grader, 16 and seven. But so we're out of the acute clutter phase when you've got really small kids, like under five. And especially if you're on your first or your second and you're still planning on having kids, there's this need to want to like hold on to stuff, you know, for the second kid and the third kid. And cause who wants to, especially if you're going to have them close together, mine are almost a decade apart. So who wants to go out, buy another crib or buy another, buy all these toys again, or buy all the clothes again. And That is a time when I do say, you know, it's okay to hold on to some things short term, right? Even like the clothes, when you get pregnant, you're obviously going to have to wear maternity clothes. It's okay to keep your old clothes, but after a year or when you've gotten back to whatever is your new normal, if those clothes no longer fit, it's time to say goodbye. So with the toys, and it can be really a struggle if you have lots of family or friends that want to shower you with stuff. I know so many moms that like have so many baby clothes with tags still on them. They've never even worn or pretty toys that their babies never even used because it's just too much. 
And I know we were joking about the bins and keeping up stuff. This is when bins can come in handy. All Mm -hmm. right. Especially with toys. I use those um, Ikea contain like um, square containers. You can get them at Target too. It's like a bookshelf with the squares and you can put baskets in them and you can put like labels on the outside. That's what I did for my kids stuff. You can either fit it in a closet or in a toy room and bin the things. But as soon as they grow out of a stage, you can kind of like every three months, actually, especially when they're young, you can, if you're going to keep it, you know, put it in a box label and put it in the attic. You can get it back later, but there's no need to keep all of it around all the time. And here's another thing about, I actually wrote, um, I think it was right before the holidays last year, I wrote a post on this and the title was um, five reasons why you should think twice before buying your kids another toy. And this is also a mindset shift for parents. We think, oh, our kid has to have that newest, best thing. This is stimulating. This is going to help them. Um, All the other kids have it. They need to have it. We need to have it. No. So And some of the main reasons I would love to share with the listeners right now is a very popular post because it does take a mindset shift. But what happens when kids have too many toys, they get overstimulated, just like adults do. When we have too many things around us, it can cause um, overwhelm. And it distracts them. So what happens is they'll move from toy to toy without ever fully experiencing each toy. It also can lessen creativity. You know, instead of, you know, reading, writing, it's good for kids to get bored, right? They use their imagination, creative play. And then also on the flip side of boredom, too many toys can create boredom with their things, right? And it'll create a need to constantly want new toys for stimulation. Mm. So what happens with this? They'll, they want a quick fix. And I know there are parents out there that know what I'm talking about. They have a toy, they've been begging for it, they get it, they play with it for a day, and then they're off to the new thing. This quick fix, it's an addiction. And what happens is, well, it, it tr- can turn into an addiction and they'll carry it with them as they mature into adulthood, it'll just translate into different things. I don't know if you've ever met somebody as an adult who like for me, and I'm guessing you're a lot like me in the sense that I value my possessions, my things, my clothing, my car. Like I've only owned three cars, like Mm -hmm. my whole life, because like I value it. I take good care of it. I think it's a waste of money to get a new car every few years. And people that don't have this sense of value for their things, they get addicted to this quick fix and they're never satisfied. They're never content with the things that they own or have. They're buying stuff thinking it's going to bring them joy or happiness and they're never going to get fulfilled from their things. Hmm. And that can start when you're a kid. Yeah. Starting with your kids is so huge. So teaching them early on the value of their stuff. Like for me, um, with my kids, what I would do, I get them involved in the process and tip for parents. Don't ever, ever get rid of your kid's stuff without telling them first. 
Yeah. <laughs> you don't want like meltdowns, right? Yeah. Like they'll be like, where's my pinky or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so I always talk to my, I'd always talk to my kids. I'm like, and have them in on the process. Like my youngest loves when we do like a sweep and I'll be like, okay, let's pull out all the little boy toys you can keep your big boy toys that you really love and, and let's make a pile. And he gets excited. And we talk about how it's not no longer getting love. You know, it's not being played with. So let's give it to another little boy who will enjoy it now that you're a big boy and you don't play with this toy very much. And he loves it. And he feels really proud that he's passing along this toy. I just got goosebumps <laughs> to another little boy that is going to enjoy it. And the more you can get them involved and he's gotten so good at it now. He's like, no, mommy, I don't, I don't play with that anymore. We can give that away. Aww. And when you get them conditioned like that, when they're young, it makes it so much easier as they, um, it's, you're really giving them a gift when mm -hmm. you're doing this for them and they'll grow into adults that have no issues. They're not holding, their things aren't holding meaning for them. Like some people, Mm -hmm. Like I know we all know people like that, that are holding on to stuff for whatever reason. Right. right. But my oldest is the same way. He is very organized, very clean. He went to Montessori school, which was, it's like a very like organized structured program. So I think that kind of like set in with him as a yeah. young child, but yeah. So th that's my two cents. And that's <laughs> worked for yeah. us with the kids. Well, and I think correct me if I'm wrong, but this has always been my idea. <laughs> uh, you know, we always have these bold ideas right before we have kids of what, what could happen. Um, but what I have done in my current life is kind of people know my approach and my husband's approach to stuff. And so around birthdays and holidays and things, they, even will make comments of, oh, you know, Brooke's a minimalist. And, you know, sometimes it's in jest. And so what do we get her? But I love experiences. So, you know, a massage or a mani-pedi or a facial or something like that. And so, or I do love plants. I feel like I cannot have enough plants because they bring me so much joy. And just, I feel like they brighten my home and I love taking care of them. And it's like, in indoor gardening. And so people know I love plants or different things like that. So th they're not necessarily thinking let's maybe give stuff as much as we would to somebody else. And so I'm wondering if with kids, if you have that same kind of vibe and people know you're trying to keep the stuff down is if you say, you know, we're really hoping to get the kids into this art class or something like, could they, could people gift experiences rather than things all the time? If they kind of know that is your style. That's such a good question. And I'll tell you, it's a little trickier when it comes okay. to kids <laughs> and <laughs> because you're going to have, you know, it depends on how close they are to you. Right. And there's right. going to be some grandparents that don't care what you say. True. They want to buy that toy for that kid because they want to see that kid's face light up. Right. Mm -hmm. Right then and there. Or um, they want to be that indulgent grandparent and really, quote, spoil them with this fabulous thing. So you've got to pick your battles. Right. So <laughs> but as my kids have gotten a little bit older, they're not, you know, tiny anymore. Um, my 
parents have started just sending money. Yeah. Right. My mom will give a gift card or ask what he needs and we'll decide, you know, what does he need this season? You know, do we get clothes? Maybe we get a video game. You know, my oldest kid, I mean, he's a teenager. So all they do is give gift cards to Xbox gift cards to each other (laughs) every birthday. It's so easy and beautiful. We don't have to worry about anything coming in or out. But yeah, it can get a little tricky, especially when you have kids' birthday parties. Yeah, you know? right. Because what are you, you going to do? Are you going to tell them, you know, you can ask for gift cards or I guess you can, I, I, I think there are sites where you can sign up and people can put money towards like a larger gift right. or something. But like for like a wedding. In, yeah, exactly. But I think people like to come gift in hand, something small, you know. Yeah, I mean, so and I'm the biggest hypocrite because we're going to... <laughs> my niece's fifth birthday in a week. And I, I'm like, Oh my yeah. gosh, look at this cute little thing. And Oh girls. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I got boys. So it's not super fun shopping for them, but girls, I can imagine. I just, yeah, I'm very excited about giving her the thing, but yeah, I also, I remember my mom when I had birthday parties and things that sometimes we would take a couple toys she would say, you know, which ones do you want to play with right now? And then which ones will we save? And she'd put them in the closet or something, which was really fun because oh, I, I always that. had other toys that I kind of knew were up there, but I wasn't overwhelmed with 15 at once. And so then it was like my birthday lasted a really long time because I oh would just gosh. get a new toy every once in a while. <laughs> that is amazing. That takes a lot of discipline for mom to do. Wow. I am so impressed with her. I haven't heard of that. And I absolutely love that idea. I thought you were going to say she gave the rest of them. Oh, no, 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 no. I was having a mommy dearest moment. (laughs) at the I was like, no, (laughs) she would just say, you know, these, she was also a kindergarten teacher for 30 years. So she knew early childhood development stuff. And I love she, and then it made my toys so much more special. Absolutely. Another thing I, you know, was thinking you could implement for that is, you know, having, you know, because I do it for my things, having a one in one out rule Mm -hmm. for your kids. So prepping them beforehand and, you know, saying, okay, when we get your new toys, what you like, you can keep. If you don't like it, we can give it to somebody else. Or, and then let's decide what you have that you don't use or play with anymore we can give those away to yeah. make space oh know? i love that yeah it's all about having the open dialogue and discussion with them ahead of time you got to prep them not right. just be like okay now you got to get rid of 10 things <laughs> and so much of this is just mindset right it's it just is. your own mindset around your own stuff your mindset around your kids stuff helping your kids kind of adopt a similar mindset um and i know we could literally talk about this for <laughs> another oh two gosh. hours because I sent I ideas and we didn't even get Girl, to everything. We, we didn't even get to half of it. We need I know. part two. Uh, we might. Yeah. So how about <laughs> this? If you're listening and this was helpful, go to Apple, drop a review that this was helpful or let me know on Instagram or something and we will do a part two. But I just want to thank you so much, Peg, for being with me here again today. I know you have you have life to get on to. So I will, I will release you. I will let you go. <laughs> I got double carpool to hit up. <laughs> exactly. But thanks again for being here. I'm going to link, like I said, all of the things. Um, I would love to link the articles you mentioned too. Oh, the absolutely. Two articles yes. we'll put yes. links to that people could read. 
as well. That that'd be wonderful. And real quick, I just want to leave your listeners with one because I wanted to share this during we just got sidetracked. I want to leave them with a real quick tip. Yes. That I came up with. Yes. <laughs> <when> I was <laughs> when I, I think I created them some content around this. I know I did. I've spoken to it a little bit, but when you're struggling with what to get rid of and you're contemplating, do I keep this? Do I not keep this? I came up with a real simple thing to within three seconds, five seconds to decide whether or not you want to keep it. And I call it the three D's of decluttering. Oh gosh. Okay. Love it. All yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really easy to implement. So the first one is, is it a duplicate? Because we all know we don't need really two of anything. I mean, unless you got babies and you got lots of baby bottles or something. You don't need two spatulas. You don't need, I mean, unless if you got four people in your household, you need four mugs, four cups, four plates. We don't need 200. You know, we don't need a collection of mugs. We don't need a 12 pace plate place setting, you know, these kinds of things. So duplicates, you don't need two pairs of black jeans. You don't need two pairs of black flats. Just saying, use it as a rule of thumb. The second D is, is it damaged? We mm. all have that pair of pants where that <laughs> zipper doesn't work or the cuff is coming off and you're like, I'm going to take it to the tailor one day. And it just sits there or that lamp that the stopped working and you're like, I'm going to take it somewhere and get it fixed. <laughs> just release it. And the third one is dead. Okay. If you're, that item is dead and I call it dead. If you haven't used it within six months, mm. all right. If you haven't used it, if it hasn't made its way into your life, get rid of it. Some exceptions, maybe some formal wear, ski stuff, you know, seasonal apparel, <laughs> things like that. But yeah, so that's that, that great. Is my two cents. So I love it. And it's a real quick, um, way to decipher. Do I need this or not? No, yeah, because you don't want to keep like a band-aid. Get rid of it. You don't want to keep a lot of stuff around that's dead. That's not exactly. That's Ew, not enjoyable. That just sounds terrible. Yeah. That's <laughs> not carcasses everywhere. Upping your vibe. That's not giving you joy. Yeah, I love that. Exactly. That Thanks is so for great. Me share that. Oh no, I'm so I grateful. I didn't want them to leave without that. I'm so grateful you <laughs> that did. It was a little nugget. <laughs> I I love any nugget of actual tips. So we will leave it at that. And thank you again so much, Peg, for being here. And I look forward to possibly doing a part two. Oh my God, I would love it. It's always my pleasure. So good to chat with you today. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.